show number 94 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. It might seem like August to you, but it's really winter. (laughs) We're at the North Pole. Watching the polar ice cap melt, we have been hearing it crack, and you may hear it crack, too. You may also hear this very friendly, happy polar bear in the background. Because polar bears are good at making drinks with the cracked ice. Yeah. Especially drinks, for some reason, that you associate more with tropical climes. (laughs) But that's good. So I wonder if that's going to have an effect on the podcast, but, well, we'll see. Well, if we start gurgling and drowning, yeah, I, I would say. No, yeah. I was thinking more about the drunken aspect of oh, it. Oh, well, that's a positive. <laughs> because, you know, drunk, there, there are pros and cons to drunken podcasting. I know. We don't want to be too drunk, but I think the one, remember when we made uh, beer slushies? Oh, that was good. That was The beer slushies <laughs> were good. That I have no idea what the quality <laughs> of the show was. But we couldn't be too drunk because I remember drinking uh, that's beer That's true, slushies. and they, they were very good. Yeah. Well, listen, while we're on the topic of, well, by the way, this is Look at His Butt, the podcast about... Star Trek and William Shatner's butt and right, all that right. Stuff. And to to quote a friend of mine this weekend or this week, who doesn't love Bill? <laughs> it was great. It was a great moment. And I'm Jungle Kitty. And I'm Lena. And here we are. So uh, while we're on the kind of food and drink topic, I wanted to show you <gasps> this plate of muffins oh, that I made for us. They're quite lovely. Now, this is from the recipe you sent to me uh-huh. for Bill's muffins. Bill's muffins. muffins. I know. Just <laughs> saying it is really funny. Yeah. So you, this was on the, I assume it was posted on the Shatner boards or something? Somewhere. But I, I remember years ago, it, it appeared like in TV Guide celebrity recipes okay. or something. So it's a recipe for very healthy muffins. They're made with whole wheat flour and bran. Hear the, the ice cap breaking up in the background? <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Um, and... They are banana muffins. Now, when I saw that recipe, I thought, oh, I'll make them. And then I remembered that you're allergic to bananas. So That's right. Do it. And I felt like I had lost, that I was defeated. Ah! And then I thought, no, I can, I can beat these muffins because I don't like to lose. <laughs> so it was like a Kobayashi Maru sort of situation. A, a baking. A baking. So what I did was I made the muffins, but I put an apple instead of the banana. I love apple. And then I got crazy. Oh, no. And I threw in some cranberries <gasps> and some walnuts. Oh, oh. Oh. So these are <laughs> Bill's muffins a la Lena. Yeah. Ooh. That's what they are. And, and here's a plate full. So we can have them as we're doing various things. But oh, they, they smelled great. They do. Can I have yeah. a, a And they're wheel? really healthy because they're whole wheat. And, and they're they have, still warm. And they're still warm. And <sighs> they have bran in them. And they have a little bit of yogurt. Food. And... Um, I halved the amount of honey that they said to put in because it was supposed to be a half cup of honey. I was like, that's insane. That's yeah, like way that's, too sweet. Yeah. Have so, you had one yet? No, I haven't. Oh, I was okay. waiting until you got here. So oh, okay. Fantastic. Them. So anyway. So I would have driven that, faster had I known. That's for later. And then, you know, I was thinking um, when they asked Bill for a recipe for TV Guide or whatever, um, as if Bill actually makes muffins. Well, we know he fries turkey. Yeah, but <laughs> I can't see him making muffins. So in my mind, yeah, it was like they said they, his manager or whoever said, Bill, Bill, TV Guide is asking for a recipe for muffins. And he went, I really like those muffins I have in the morning sometimes. And he says, Liz, honey, what are those muffins you make for me in the morning sometimes? I think these were actually back in the... Um Oh, this is the Gloria that? days. Oh, really? Might be Gloria or even Marcy, but I think Gloria. Oh, okay. So, so he just asked whoever yeah. it was and said, "What are those muffins that I like so much?" 
Yeah. <laughs> she said, here's the recipe. And he looked at it and he said, I don't know what any of this is, but here, this is what I like. <laughs> Actually, she said, they're Entenmann's. And he said, no, no, we can't Entenmann's, honey. No, it's got to be homemade. <sighs> okay, Bill. <laughs> so anyway, that's the story of the muffins. So that now, was, we know, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that these are not his favorite muffins to eat. <laughs> we found that out on the last show. Yeah, which we, we strongly that. suspected anyway. Yeah, you know. So, can I just say one more thing about that? Because about the muffins? About, about, about last... The about last, Tanya. About Tanya. Just, um, what a guy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what a guy that, you know, there's this beautiful woman and they're having sex and they're fooling around and the first thing he decides to do... It's go down on her. I know. I was thinking that. Man, I was thinking that, you know? What a guy. What a guy. And speaking of what a guy. guy, The polar bear is here. The polar bear is here (gasps) with pina coladas. Thank you. And colorful straws. Thank you, polar bear. (coughs) Mm, And they're, they're very, very potent. They're very potent. The polar bear has a heavy hand with the rum. It's good. Thumbs up. Frosty. <laughs> wow. This is great. This is going to make it go much quicker. Oh. Ah. Mm. I think you should put it on the plate. Okay. I thought the plate was for the muffins. Well. But it'll be a Let it be for the glass for now. Okay. Oh. Yum. Yum. I hope good. everybody is drinking strong pina coladas. <laughs> so. So, so I just wanted to say that. Well, you know, I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> what a guy. Jeez. What a guy. So, yeah, just yeah. it had to be said. It, well, it did. It did. So let's start off with something really wonderful. Okay. I mean, so far we've had muffins and, and Bill and going down, but, you know, something else. Okay, do you remember <clears throat> the Kirk Bear? Oh, yes. That I tried to yeah, get you yeah, for yeah. your birthday oh, yeah. almost two years ago. Well, I have a present for you. <gasps> it is not the Kirk okay. Bear. It is an unworthy substitute <laughs> to the Kirk Bear, but it is a present. Okay. I'll and take it. I had no time to wrap it, so it's in a Christmas bag. <laughs> That's okay. Which I'll take home with me so I can use it for another oh, time when goodness. I don't have time to wrap things. It's big enough. Oh my goodness, what is this? It's it's something so unique I freaked oh, out when Jesus. I saw it. It's heavy. Oh, oh Star Trek Universe. It's a big binder. And I believe it is from um two thousand five. Wow. It's it's just full of gorgeous pictures. This is crazy. It is this for listeners, it is a huge binder about the Star Trek universe and it's printed on like cardstock. It is. It's beautiful glossy sheets with yes. lots and lots and lots of pictures in it. It's kind of like um uh the the Star Trek what the hell is it called the compendium the compendium but with big pictures mm-hmm. wow this is really cool so a lot of it is um, well here I'll read the tabs so there's behind the scenes there's uh, culture when it has things like United Federation of Planets there's characters there's races there's ships there's technology and then there's a a section that's called um, film synopsis. Wow, this is amazing. Isn't that beautiful? This is really very, extremely cool. I've never seen this before. I had never seen it either. 
Thank you. Oh, um, and there's trivia right in the front. Ooh, we might have played that. But go to the characters and find Kirk, because oh. uh, I haven't had a chance to go through this, really. Spot. Spot the of, cat. Well, what kind of order is this in? Is it, is it um, alphabetical? Because you're in the G's now. I know. No, to Pring. Oh, it, it's um, chronological, so like characters Oh, so Kirk maybe? better be at the beginning. Season one. Uh... Edith Keeler. Because the stuff at the back of characters is all about um, the different... So this is like Enterprise and uh, TNG and how come they don't... These are all like guest characters. Guest characters. Okay, so where are the... Is there an index? I'll look. Doesn't look like Uh, it. Doesn't look like it. Wow. Okay, so... Okay. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Okay, trying to figure this out. You know, there are people listening right now who are going... Come on, I have this. It's not that hard to figure it out. <laughs> Nobody else has this. Nobody has this. Just you. There was only one. There was produced, only one, and, this and is I the found one. it. Okay, Vulcans. Section of Vulcans. Horta. That's probably under culture, right? Okay, ships. Enterprise. Maybe they don't have the regular characters, or. Maybe somebody loved the regular characters so much they took that section off. Do the tabs go pretty much? In, no, you see, it looks like there's missing tabs, doesn't it? Oh. <gasps> so you now, might have to do some oh, research. No, no, I'm going to have to collect them all. I'm going to have to find the other ones. I wonder if this was a collector's thing where they sent you a new section each it, week. You know, it looks like it. It looks like the. Hey, hey, didn't um, our friends, the collectors, Tell us about something where you... No, that was photographs that you got, like, on a monthly That's basis. That's right. That was a But club. I'm wondering if this is a similar thing, because you probably joined up and got the binder, yeah. and then they sent you stuff, but it looks like we may not, or it you should. may not have the whole thing. Well, that that will give me something to do, because um, I don't have enough to do in my spare time. Let's see. So let me just read a little bit from the front. Um, so it's called the Star Trek Universe User's Manual, and this is <laughs> thing in the front that tells you what you're looking at. Your collection offers you the opportunity to customize its organization through a system of color and icon-coded cards and corresponding dividers. Wow. All of which fit neatly into the handsome protective binder. Whichever easy-to-use system you choose, your cards will always be at your fingertips, ready to share and appreciate. Boneless, skinless chicken Chicken breasts. (laughs) (laughs) That's our voiceover joke. Yeah. So, then they have some stuff about the series. Oh, here we go. Do they list all the different things? They do. So, um, there are topic icons, series icons, season icons. Sort by topic, by series. Excuse me. So, maybe the person who started this just put the tabs out of order. That could be. But it doesn't tell you what they all are? By topic. What are the topics? What color is topic? Okay. Oh, here. Okay. So, these are all the topics. Behind the scenes, characters, crew... Okay, so it's we missing don't crew. have the crew section. Culture. Uh-huh. Episodes, that's not in here. No. Race, those are in here. Ships, that's in here. And technology, also <gasps> in here. Oh. So we're missing episodes and crew. Well, uh, that would be the ones that you would keep. Yeah. <laughs> it's still cool. Oh, it's very cool. And I'm sure we could get those. Somewhere. Someone will send them to us. Oh. This is great. This is awesome. That's going to take a long time to go through here, and I'm sure this will give us a lot to talk about. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. This is awesome. Let's let's um, do the trivia thing right at the beginning. Okay, okay. 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 This is... Uh, yeah, before we get too drunk. Yeah. Because <laughs> okay. these are very strong drinks, Polar Bear. Star Trek trivia. 
What four starships participated in war games with the USS and the USS Enterprise and the M5 multitronic <gasps> computer and ultimate computer? I don't remember. I have no idea. Okay, we'll skip that one. I know it was Commander Wesley was one of the was the head of the other yeah. fleet. Let's see, where's the answer? Kirk defeated. Oh, I have to read upside down. Um, the USS Lexington, USS Potemkin, USS Hood, and the USS Excalibur. Where's the USS make shit up? <laughs> He's off on another mission. mission. <laughs> okay. They couldn't show up that day. They, they told them, and, and the captain went, war games? Fuck that. <laughs> and they made some shit up so they wouldn't have to go. Exactly. I like that. I like that captain. What was the name of Gary Seven's cat? Tabitha. <laughs> Pussy. Isis. Oh. <laughs> what is the... What is the airspeed? No. Um, <laughs> sorry. What is the more common name of the space flight maneuver known as the light speed breakaway factor? I, th- I know what that is, I think. It's the Kirk or the Picard yeah. something. No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. The, wait, oh, it's, 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 it's the Carbamite maneuver. That's the only maneuver I know. I was going to say the slingshot. The slingshot around effect. the sun? Yeah. The slingshot effect. Okay. What kind of ship was the SS Botany Bay? Um, a, um, it was a sleeper ship, right? A sleeper ship. Oh, yeah, it was, but they wanted to know DY-100 class sleeper ship. Oh. These are Geek Boy questions. Yeah. What is the full title of the acronym IDIC? The full title of the acronym? We know that. Infinite that, Diversity in, in, in Infinite, infinite combinations. combinations. But that's... Boneless, skinless, chicken breasts. <laughs> <laughs> that should be an exercise that you do for boys. Voiceover warm up. Red leather, yellow leather, <laughs> infinite diversity, and infinite combinations. <laughs> but what is the full title of the acronym? That's no, it's just what is it spelled out? What are the words? That yeah, what it? what what does it represent? Okay. <laughs> Here's oh, this is terrible. I'm gonna try not to make a really bad joke. What position did the mirror universe Sulu hold on the ISS Enterprise? There's a squirrel out there. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, there are squirrels who live here. Um, I don't know. He was the security chief. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, what position did Mirror Universe Chekhov hold? And I was going to say something like the The guy who most inhabited this. The agony booth. The yes, agony exactly. Booth. Agony booth tester. <laughs> <laughs> In the episode Savage Curtain, the Excalbian creature forced two groups to fight in order to study good and evil. Which four historical figures fought for evil? Colonel Green. Mm-hmm. Some woman in really bad makeup. Mm-hmm. Genghis Khan. Yep, very good. It was a Klingon. Oh, a Klingon. Yeah, Collis. <laughs> and the woman's name was Zora. Okay. You know, there was a woman in Blade Runner named Zora. I wonder if that was a uh, tip of the hat. Um, let's see. What was the name of the Vulcan ship destroyed in the immunity syndrome? Um, the, the, um, the, uh, okay, I've already had too much to drink. <laughs> the name of the guy who invented the whole Vulcan logic thing. No. No, okay. <laughs> it was the Intrepid. Oh. Really? That yeah. was a Vulcan ship? Apparently. Okay. According to this book. Okay. On, sorry, in iMud, what was the name of Harry Mudd's wife? Stella. Very good. On what planet did Captain Kirk try to strand the mutated Lieutenant Commander, Gary Mitchell? Oh, um, I know this. It's, um... Where they had that mining thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what's... Okay, this is how I remember it, so you need to help me. 
what's the name of the illness Kirk had years ago that he gave to the 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 girl on the overpopulated planet? Rigelian fever? No, it's not Rigelian. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> okay, then I don't remember the the answer. It's Delta Vega. Okay, and it was Vega's choriomeningitis. Okay, I believe you. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't remember. Somebody that. did an interesting fanfic tie-in. Really? Between those two things at one point. That's cool. Mm-hmm. All good things come from fanfic, and a number of really bad, crappy things, but... Here's a really easy one. Okay. What was the name of the card game Kirk invented in Piece of the Action? Um, Boo Boo Chicken. <laughs> Bowl of skinless chicken breast. <laughs> no, wait. Boo Boo Chicken is the name my nephew invented. Um, Fisbin. Very good. In City on the Edge of Forever, a famous novelist recommends three words even over I love you. What are those three words? Let me help. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's boneless, skinless chicken. <laughs> Let me help. The episode title, Conscience of the King, comes from what famous work of literature? Conscience of the King comes from Macbeth. No, it's from Hamlet, actually. Oh, okay. It's where, uh, actually, it's... Are you sure it's not Hamlet, too? Because I just saw that movie. <laughs> Was it funny? No, oh, not really. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, it's in Hamlet where um, he decides to... Um, Hamlet is going to help. He's going to have the players put on a play. Right. The play is the thing in where mm -hmm. I'll catch the conscience of the king, and Ooh. by seeing how Claudius reacts, he'll find out if he's. Ah, um, oh, you're good. Guilty. You're very good. The play is the thing wherein I'll catch the conscience of the king. That's where the play is the thing comes from. I, I kind of figured that. <laughs> okay. Before Captain Kirk and Captain Christopher Pike, Gene Roddenberry envisioned another captain of the USS Enterprise whose name appears in his original proposal for Star Trek. What was the name of this captain? I'm going to guess it was Captain Winter. Mm -mm. No? That was one of the names considered. Mm -hmm. It was Captain Robert April. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. That's in the writer's guide, I think. Oh. Name, the oh, name 12 starships of the United Federation of Planets in commission during Captain Kirk's original five-year Okay. Mission. I don't know them. No, but let's see how many we can name, because you just named a bunch from Lexington. Uh-huh. Um, Excalibur. Uh, Excalibur. Enterprise. Mm -hmm. um, Potemkin. Potemkin. What was the one Matt Decker commanded? The um, the Reliant. Reliant. Um, in, the, intrepid, right? The one that the Vulcan... We said that one. Okay. Um, the, um, there's another... The Constitution. Mm-hmm. The Constellation. Mm -hmm. Very good. Boy, you're good. The, um... Now I have to turn the book upside down so I can read it. Let's see. We got most of them. There's a couple more. Okay. Um... Do, 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 do. I don't know. I've been blanking. The ones we missed were The Defiant. Oh, right. The Endeavor. Mm-hmm. The Exeter. The Hood. Yeah. And the Yorktown. Oh, okay. Well, we that's, did not do half-assed bad. Good. These uh, are pretty geek boy questions, so. In the deadly years, Kirk bluffed his way out of the Romulan neutral zone by saying he had a device that would explode and destroy all matter in a 200,000 kilometer, kilometer radius. What non-existent device did he say he had? The Corbomite device. Very good. Oh, you're smart. He what, used it twice. What? This is such a dumb question. What is the written and spoken language of the Klingon Empire? Klingon? <laughs> what was the name of the substance that made the women in Mud's Women look more attractive? It was a drug. It was yeah. the, um, the, uh, the Venus drug? Very good. 
in longest name ever for the world. Actually, of it was drunken men, but <laughs> it was beer goggles. I never woke up with any ugly women, <laughs> or I never woke, I never slept with any ugly women, but I woke up with plenty. <laughs> okay, yeah, beer goggles, exactly. Romulan ale goggles. Uh, <laughs> for the world is hollow, and I touch this guy. What is the name of the multi generational spaceship built inside a large asteroid? I don't know. It's Yonada. Oh, right. I always thought it was Yananda, but I guess they no, say Yonada. No, it's not. It's okay, and last but not least, what was the name of the friendly angel in the episode And the Children Shall Lead? Marvin Belli. <laughs> no, not his real name. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I can't think of it. The Gorgon. Oh, okay. okay. So that's it for regular TOS. There's other stuff here, too. But we wouldn't know any of it, We wouldn't so know any it. of it, so fuck that. Um but this is great. Thank you so much. Well, good. I'm so glad you enjoy it. This is actually 1997, it say. Why does it say 2M5 at the front? Where? Right. Oh. I thought that stood for like 2005. Mm, I don't know what it means. Sort by season number. Season. I, 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 this is it? Yeah, okay. Wow, that's great. Have another drink. <laughs> I will. And now, and now, I'm and going now. to give you some little prezzies. Oh, great, great. I so love prezzies. Mm -hmm. it's, in a, it's in an envelope. It's in an envelope. So there's two things. Should I close my eyes and hold um, out my hand? Yeah, you can. This is, um, well, here, I'll give it to you this way and you'll have to turn it over. Okay, you can look at that now. Application instructions. Make sure the... It's a look at his butt decal. Yes. So it can go in your car. I was going to say, now I can't get a new car because I'm going to put this on it and I'll never be able to sell that car. You can put it on your car or you could put it on, you know, your, your three ring binder that you take to school with you or, or your book bag. It could go on any of those things. Wow. You know what it could go on? What? What? Big cardboard Kirk. Oh, that's true. You could put it there. Or you could put it on your computer bag. Yep. That could work. Or, or possibly. But that's, I just, for listeners, mm -hmm. I just tried it out temporarily on my laptop, but I put it in the spot where my beautiful Kirk card usually goes <laughs> that you gave me. <sighs> the Kirk card. I love that. Well, anyway, Thank so you can you. do it that way you will. And I have got one more little thing, so you have to close your eyes again. Okay. And that is so cool. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, sure. And this was just, I could not resist. Oh, good. And those are my favorites. Like <laughs> so there you go. <gasps> wow! Oh, I will treasure it always. This is look at look at his butt dot blogspot dot com post its, and they're very very light uh, purple, and then in darker pinkish print it says Kirk. Oh, in really big capital letters. <gasps> it is. Oh. This is wonderful. Thank you. Do you have some, too? No, that's. I only got one pack, and I wanted you to have them. Oh, thank you. But I just thought that was really cool to just say, Kirk. <laughs> and you know what? This is the end of August. Mm -hmm. So this is our third anniversary. Oh, that's true. Uh, somewhere around here yeah. of, of doing mm -hmm. our Look at His Butt podcast. Yeah. So congratulations and happy anniversary Yes, to, to you, too, for us. Yay. Yay. And in honor of that, too, let's look at something craptastic. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, here they are. Okay. So, um... We're going to open these carefully 
But um, I got these in the same place. I got your wonderful binder mm -hmm. thing. Um, these are Star Trek collector's cards, and they're two different packs. Now, the one I'm looking at is a pack from Series 2 from 1991, the 25th mm -hmm. anniversary. Twelve official full-color trading cards for Star Trek, the original TV series. This Ooh. this uh, completes the 25th anniversary collector yes. set. Now, I was looking at that one over. There's some text on the back that you can read that says something about if you send your name and address, they'll send you a checklist of all of the different cards. That I they bet they don't do that anymore. I'm sure they don't. <gasps> oh, here's the thing, though. They will send you, for 1999, mm -hmm. um... A collector's album customized with a special Star Trek 1991 25th anniversary premiere edition logo and 199 card collecting sheets. So you could get oh, sheets to put them, to put in. them yeah. in. Yes. That's cool. Oh, you can also get a free Star Trek trading checklist. Uh, yeah, by sending your name, address, zip code, and birthday. <laughs> But if you're too old, they won't send it to you. Limit one per person. Unfortunately, the offer expired August 31st, Aww. 1992. <laughs> so that's exactly, what, 15 <laughs> years ago? Do you think We're we only there? 15 years too late. When we get that time machine. So the one I'm holding says, Star Trek Edition, Skybox Masterpieces. <gasps> Six trading cards per pack. Collect all 90. There are 90 of them. Original art compositions from the Final Frontier. I don't know what that means. Uh, it could be that they're not like pictures. They're they're crappy it, it drawings. Could be. And then on the back, um, it says Star Trek Classic TV Series, Motion Pictures, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine. And then, this is 1993, there's a little note that says, Odds of finding limited edition Spectra cards are approximately 1 to 18 packs. I don't know what Spectra cards are. Um, are they those Chinese? ones that um, when they, you move oh, them, they, they move? Them, they like I be. have the, the the weird card of kiss of Kirk kissing uh, Marlena. Marlena, yeah, that yeah. one. It could be. I don't know. Should we open these? Well, let's open them carefully because these could very well be given out to people as prizes or or something at some future date. So how do you open this I carefully? I don't know. I could. I have scissors if you want to cut. <gasps> nope. Here's how you do it. Look at that. We, you know what? We could have done something very Agatha Christie and steamed them over. Oh, that's true. But they are hard to get out unless you really do rip the thing. But okay. let's see if I can get any out here. Oh, I'm too distracted looking at my Kirk posts. <laughs> hmm. oh, oh, okay. I've you got, got yours out? Okay. All right. Oh, it is art. Oh. Let's see. So it's Geek Boy Ship Art. Star Trek VI, The Voyage Home, Doomsday Machine. Oh. <gasps> oh, we got a <laughs> Of course we did. I'm not giving this one away. That's going to be an incomplete collector's Sure, way. why not? Kind of like the thing I gave you? Yeah. Okay. Navigating the asteroid field. Some, this was in um, Star Wars, not Star Trek. I was going to say, that was in Galaxy <laughs> Quest. <laughs> Look at this card. <laughs> oh, my God. This is a card that <laughs> that is totally fucked up. I have to scan this. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a picture. Nobody's gonna believe it. It's a it's a painting. It's not a picture. It's a painting. <gasps> uh, it's okay. a painting of um, something from Star Trek for the Voyage Home. It's a whale in space, um, floating around the Earth. And there's Spock in his underwear. <laughs> floating, floating around the earth with the whale. 
holding on for dear life. And for some reason, there are air bubbles coming off of Spock's head, even though they're in space. That's pretty funny. That is. And then there's a, a painting of Captain Claw from Next Generation. Oh, I was going to say, who's Captain Claw? <laughs> or are you just choking on your drink? Let's see what it says about Captain Kirk. Oh. Captain Kirk. Captain oh, Charm he's, and He's Hunt. card number one. Of course he's card number one. Jeez. <clears throat> Captain James T. Kirk is the consummate hero who is fiercely dedicated to his mission. He inspires great confidence and complete loyalty in those who serve under him. And his many awards of valor are a testament to his character and career. Kirk has encountered many women in his travels. No! But he remains faithful to the one true love, the USS Enterprise. So this particular um, painting was done by a guy named Kirk Bird. Oh, sorry, Keith Birdsong, and it says Keith Birdsong is known across the country for his artistic contributions to the Star Trek world, including his sensitive, striking portraits and many popular Star Trek book covers. So there you go. That pretty much looks like Kirk, sort of. Yeah, I, of. you know, I have seen that picture. Really? Yeah. It's not quite right. There's there's something about it that's wrong. Like, he messed up his right eye or something. <laughs> okay, my okay. pack is very oh, interesting, I want to hear too. about yours. Well, are there more that you need to talk about? No, not really. The okay. other paintings are nice. They're sort of, you know, Enterprise floating through space. Okay, I want with to show you the first yes. one <laughs> I ever, I pulled out. And I want you to guess what episode it's from. Uh, uh, Horda. Horda episode. That's what I thought. Th- if this is Spock, mind-melding with... A wall of <laughs> rock, and it says it is from by any other name. What? Okay, let's see. Answering a fake distress call, the USS Enterprise is commandeered by colonization scouts from the distant Andromeda galaxy's Kelvin Empire, mm-hmm. and most of the crew are transformed into small tetrahedral blocks. Oh no, they're not tetrahedrons; they're dodecahedrons. <laughs> For the three hundred year return journey. Spared from the conversion process, Captain Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and Scotty set out. Scotchy set out to <laughs> regain their ship. Actually, massive tentacled aliens. The Kelvins have only recently—oh, I know what the picture's from—taken on human form and human nature using careful measures of food, alcohol, and psychology. <laughs> I think the alcohol had a lot more to do with it. <laughs> okay. Um. To over <laughs> that was code <laughs> to overload the aliens' newly acquired human emotions and sensations. Kirk and the others managed to retake the starship and restore the crew. The Calvins face an ironic fate, having grown too human to return to the Calvin Empire. They must colonize a Federation world as humans. Can we back up a second? Yeah. When did we ever find out that they were massive tentacled aliens? That was in a scene that was cut where they were showing him <laughs> photos of the families they'd left behind. But I do remember this. Um, they, remember they were in that, that cave jail? No. Before they went back up to the ship? No. Okay. But that's what it is. Okay. Cave jail. I believe. Okay. Cave jail. Guess what this one is. This is fun. Um, that's from uh, uh, Wink of an Eye. Very good. Yes, it is Kirk and Spock. Looking at the, the machine. Oh, <laughs> she's Do she's doing her victory dance. dance. Okay, this one's easy. Oh, I know that one. Okay. It's Enterprise Incident. Yes. It's Kirk showing off his... Uh, his new eyebrows. His <laughs> new eyebrows and ears 
to uh, Scotchy, McCoy, and um, Nurse Chappell. This is a totally lame-ass card. It's a TV credit card. It tells you, like, who wrote the episodes. And here's the pisser. There's two of these in this oh, set. Man. This set sucks. Here's the, the typical Uhura Four picture. Pose. That's third season. And it, it, it nice. says Nichelle yeah. Nichols. That's the picture that she used on the cover of her book. Right. Okay. Uh, that's from Mud's Women, right? Right. Yeah. And we know that even though they just say it's Harcourt Fenton. No, Mary that's from Mudd. when they were trying to figure out if he was lying. That was yeah. the, the lie detector. Now, test. you should know this one. Oh, man, from the Empath. There's yep. a big brain guy. The big brain guy. The, the Vians and the Organians and the aliens from the um, the cage, mm-hmm. they all have to be related. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. I can't think of the name of those aliens. What's that starship? Tarsus? No, mm. no. What's the planet It's you're forbidden to go to? Is it Tarsus? Uh, no, Talos. Talos. Talos 4. You'll never guess this one. Uh, it's one of the worst episodes, I'll tell you that. So it's a picture of McCoy and Kirk, and Kirk's looking all um, furrowed brow of great concern, and Spock is in the background trying to fix a circuit board. Is that is that the Nazi episode? No, but you're close. It's the Omega Glory, and oh. I don't know why I think that's Please. close. Um, <laughs> oh, it's a Mugatu. Yes, from... Uh, if you give me the name of the leading lady, I'll give you points. <laughs> that would be Nona. Yes, okay. My girl, This Nona. is not a picture of Nona. This is a private little war. Private little war, thank you. And also, I want to know the official thing. This says it's a Mugato. I've seen it as Two. a Mugato. Yeah. So, hmm. Okay, and, and you then, don't have to guess the episode wait, wait, on this. Also, Just identify. Oh, that thing. would be a, a shuttlecraft. Right, right. But I heard somewhere that, um, that they had originally named the monster uh, Mutagu. And DeForest Kelly kept saying Mugatu, so they had to change it. Oh. I don't know if that's true or not. I thought maybe they had named it Fuzzy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that, we were just talking about that episode, so that's, what the hell was the name of that episode? Uh, Where the good and evil fighting things. Savage Curtain? Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Accepting an invitation delivered by President Lincoln, <laughs> an astonished Captain Kirk and Spock beam down to an Earth-like enclave on the surface of volcanic planet Excalbia. Excalbia. They meet Yarnak. Yarnak. I didn't know that was his name. And spelled backwards, that's Ken Ray. <laughs> A good old boy whose real name is Kenneth Raymond, but they call him Ken, Ken Ray. Ray. And then when he goes into outer spice, he's Yarnak. That's the name of the Excalbian rock creature. He's ugly. Let's see if they get these things right. Colonel Green, Kalas, Genghis Khan, and Zora. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, craptastic stuff and cra- great stuff. Yeah. Uh, whenever there's a picture of Kirk in there, it automatically <gasps> goes from being crappy <gasps> to great. What? Another media conquered. Post-its. Post-its. He's conquered post-its. <gasps> Is there anything Bill can't do? Nothing. No. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> And we have dedicated our lives, our podcast lives, <laughs> we haven't to making sure our everybody lives. knows this. Our <laughs> podcast. Our podcast. It was mm. fun, funny when you said, um, an astonished Captain Kirk beams down to the planet. Uh, there's another podcast I listen to, and um, they like to make fun of news reports where something mysterious happens, and all of the adjectives that they use to describe scientists, they're baffled. <laughs> 
They're astonished. They're puzzled. <laughs> so I like those words. So I think we should, you know, astonished, baffled, puzzled, mm-hmm. perplexed. Perplexed. That's a good one. That's a good one. So, yeah. I'm getting really loopy on these. These are great. Drink. I, like I know. I don't well, let's take a little break. Okay. We've been talking forever. We have, and, but and, it's all been good. And then we have some really funny stuff coming up in the next one, because we're going to look at those comic book scans. Because <gasps> oh, that, that oh, hallelujah. was okay. so funny. Okay, okay. So let's take a break. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Things Bill wants you to know. Email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. Show notes at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. you found the best podcasts in the universe. I think all choices should be cake or death. I'll take cake, please. <laughs> Do you know I had a dream last night about cake? <laughs> or death or just cake? No, just cake. Uh-huh. Um, it was kind of, I went to some big cafeteria, you know, um, uh-huh. and I had cake for every course. Wow. It was that yummy. sounds good. Speaking of cake, um, I, for people who want to know, there are some new dreams posted to the dream blog. And that has to do with cake because... Um, it doesn't. <laughs> you had a dream. You said you had a dream about cake. Oh, so oh right, right. Dream, dream about cake, dream about Bill. These and pina coladas. I'm going to be pretty loopy James real Spader. fast. I, I dreamt about James Spader. Step away from them. Oh, yes. Which was a good dream. It was. It, it was, was a, a very good dream. dream. I wish Bill had been in it more, but you know. Was okay. You take what you get. He was busy. Yeah. There we go. Anyway, um, so let's talk about comic books. Okay. So I have two small things. Um, one was something that um, was sent to me kindly by our man in New Zealand, Greg, and that was an announcement on Amazon that there is a thing called Star Trek The Complete Collection. And what it is is a DVD of many, many, many Star Trek comic books that you can buy on DVD. So rather wow. than buying the trade paperbacks or the paper copies, you now mm-hmm. have them all on DVD and you can watch them. So let me read this to you. 500 issues of Star Trek comics includes all annuals, articles, and original advertisements, which would probably be worth it just to read the advertisements. It says, Star Trek The Complete Collection spans 1967 to 2002. Star Trek comics were published under a licensing agreement with Paramount Pictures under a wide variety of top publishers, including Gold Label, Marvel, DC, Malibu, and Wildstorm. Revisit and relive your favorite Star Trek comic books. Our collection includes all issues from 1967 to 2002, every annual, all articles, and every single advertisement. That's over 500 issues in a reader-friendly PDF format and all printable. This is the first time you were able to purchase all publishers on one disc for your viewing enjoyment. Wow. So that's that's pretty big. I don't think I'm going to spend any money on because it's 50 bucks for a DVD of a lot of comic books, some of which are pretty shitty. <laughs> Truth be told, and I already have that one trade paperback of the first Gold Key collection. Yes, I've seen that, which is awful. So anyway, I just thought I would alert people to the fact that this actually exists. And, okay, you know, maybe once it doesn't cost 
50 bucks, I might buy it. Okay. So anyway, eBay. So, yeah. Uh, so that was number one. Now, number two, <laughs> speaking of comic books, this was just too funny. So uh, I got to say, this puts the comic in comic books. Oh, um, I read a live journal group called Scans Daily, which I've mentioned before, and people who belong to this community scanning comic books that are funny or just parts, and they post them. And somebody posted some Star Trek comics, and I was so excited. So let me read what they have to say about it um, before I read the actual thing. This person says, In my time hanging around here, I can't remember ever seeing any posts from the cracky world of Gold Key's Star Trek comic <laughs> series. So here's a single page as it appeared in Star Trek The Enterprise Logs, Volume 3, a late 70s collection of issues 18 to 26. Spock's psychophile might have been unique in this collection. So okay. what it is is... Um, this one page is about Spock, and I'll put a, I'll put a link to the scan so people can see it. Oh, but I'm it's, so to- I've seen this. Okay, wait, I got to interrupt. I so totally want to see Kirk's psychophile. <laughs> we'll have to see if someone has it. It's a little bit about the history of Mr. Spock. So they have what is presumably his uh, Starfleet card, his Starfleet identification stuff. Right, mm-hmm. that's what this is. So it says psychophile. <laughs> Not for copying, except when authorized by SF security. I guess that's Starfleet security. An immediate superior officer. So basically, don't copy it unless you need to copy it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Subject, Spock. Doesn't have any other name. He has a service number. And you know, bad Trekkie that I am, I didn't compare this to other given numbers. I'm sure it's wrong. Okay. Contents, 12 graphics and properties, 2 Magnetapes. 21. Oh, it's sorry. 21. 21 Magnetapes. 6 video and 15 audio. Do not demag. Okay. So Star Trek stores its files as comics. <laughs> and then it has fingerprints. <laughs> Spock's fingerprints. And a little drawing of him. Yeah. Not a picture. A drawing. And then this is great. <laughs> Identifying marks. Surgical laser scar on right shoulder. Partial, partial scapula replacement. Okay. What did they replace it with? Um, Cheetos? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Phaser 2 burn mark left thigh. <sighs> Serpentine design inside of right biceps. Vulcan Kazwan ritual mark. So I didn't know that Vulcans got tattoos. When no, that is so Kazwan. cool. Yeah. So then it goes on to say, subject born of mixed parentage, Vulcan father, earth mother, met early racial hostility resultantly i don't know what resultantly means i know (laughs) so this is the best part so it's little spock who's dressed in sort of a um english schoolboy's outfit i would say Mm -hmm. little short shorts and a shirt and he's being chased by a bunch of kids who don't look anything like vulcans we've ever seen anywhere wait kids no no these are not kids these are urchins (laughs) street urchins Street Vulcan street urchins. And what are they saying to Spock? How are they taunting him? Earthling, earthling, rotten from your birthling. Because, you know, they're speaking Vulcan, and in Vulcan, the word earthling rhymes with the word birthling. (laughs) Mother born Amanda Druce. I don't know where that name came from. New Chicago, daughter... And where is New Chicago, anyway? Where is that located? Um, it's a few miles north of old oh, Chicago. <laughs> daughter Melvin Druce, Melvin, 
interstellar trader explorer. Wasn't that what Harry Mudd claimed to be? Exactly. So she's the daughter of a scam artist. So then Spock is talking to his mother, who's dressed kind of like um, an Orion slave girl in this, I have to say. Okay, I got to tell you, when I first glanced at this, and my first thing that I saw was the next panel. Uh-huh. I thought it was Christine Chapel. Oh, yes, that's true. It could be. So Spock says, Mommy, Mommy, they make fun of me because you come from far away. They make Spock very unhappy. <laughs> so now he's referring to Tears. himself in the third person. Look, look, sweetie. Tears. <laughs> Mommy's crying. Mommy's crying. <laughs> Sad. Sad. <laughs> and then Amanda says, No, you are a Vulcan. Words can never harm you. Now go and be strong. But then in the very next panel that we were talking about... I get to do the urchins again. Okay. Spock, Spock, your head's an earth rock. <laughs> again, the word rock in Vulcan rhymes with the word Spock. Of course. Um, and Amanda is all kind of hunched over on her chair and she's crying. Crying, crying, sweetie. And she says, <laughs> but half of him is m m me And that half can be heard. Sob. Okay, I gotta say from that dialogue especially sob and the drawing do you know who drew this who the same people who drew the romance comics oh the, the murph that, comics the murph <laughs> comics that made me made me and my my brother and sisters laugh so hard as kids it's the same quality of drawing oh. and they always had things like this the only thing i'm not seeing is usually that part with the sob, it's yeah. a huge close-up of the oh, face with, with these big, big giant, like, <laughs> tears, you know. And and the thing is, they're, like, overflowing the eyes. Uh-huh. You know, they, they like, kind of go wavy, wavy, and then a big tear. Big, giant, glycerin tear. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So then the next time I'm remembering this so vividly. It's the, the um, effect of the polar pina colada. Um, and then in the next panel, it says, At age seven, as per Vulcan custom, Spock was left in the desert without food, water, or weapons. And you see him um, approaching some sort of lizard thingy. Komodo dragon. Komodo dragon. And then in the last panel, it says, Using a shirt for a net and cactus needles for weapons, he survived the ritual ordeal. And Using then the- a shirt for a net. And he's caught the thing, the the Komodo dragon, and he's kind of throwing it on the ground. But he's still got his shirt on. He's still got his shirt on, which confused me. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So then it says... Uh, <laughs> <Then> Robin Hood <laughs> appears. And then there's a guy who we're supposed to assume is Sarek, I think, you know... Who says, you have done well, Spock. You are a true Vulcan. And unfortunately, he's wearing a little cape and a feather in his cap. And he looks like Robin Hood. He does. Um, <laughs> and, and it says, Spock. It's Errol Flynn. <laughs> Remember when Errol Flynn appears in the Bugs, Bugs Bunny, Bunny cartoon? Yes. He then Welcome went, to Sherwood. <laughs> yes. Love that. He then went on to appear in this comic. Yes. He was in a real career lull. And, uh, I, I agree. And it says, Spock never, ever, ever, or... Ugh. Spock never overcame, it's hard to say that, Mm -hmm. the true ordeal, that of eating meat, which all Vulcans loathe. And then at the bottom, there's a big horn, and it says, Memento of Kazwan Ordeal, may I never kill again. It's really fucked. So, um, the, what I also wanted to read were some of the comments underneath, because of course the people on Scans Daily are very, very, very funny. Yes. I read some of those. They um, were great. They said that, um, 
Someone says, while I knew that it was canon that Spock got teased a lot as a child, I always imagined it being more subtle, more quiet, pseudo-logical intimations about his intelligence, his ability to function in Vulcan society, etc., as opposed to gangs chasing him. (laughs) (laughs) Gangs who had made up clever rhymes. And somebody says, rhyme insults hurt most of all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so true. Oh, I just love that. Um, let's see. Um, and then someone else said, isn't her name Amanda Grayson? And, uh, then someone else mentioned Sarah cosplays as Shakespeare. Truly, my world is upside down. (laughs) (laughs) Someone else says, Starfleet uses fingerprints. Fail. (laughs) Forget fingerprints, man. Starfleet is still using magnetic audio tape. (laughs) So here's a great story, which I hadn't heard before. Someone says, I've always found the Gold Key series highly amusing, especially in the context of a story Peter David told some time back. Oh, this was a great story. Right after he got named as the writer of the DC series, he took time to have breakfast with Roddenberry's top toady to discuss the (laughs) stories, etc. Is that on the guy's business card? Yeah, toady. Toady informed him that as far as Gene was concerned, all comics should aspire to the high standards of the Gold Key series, and Peter David made the fatal mistake of laughing. (laughs) Toady made his life hell for the entire run. That is pretty funny. And then somebody else mentioned, which we had talked about before, the artist was an Italian who was drawing the series basically on next to no information, some pictures of the cast and the ship experience, and that was it. So they just hired some hack to do it. Yeah. Another person says, Sarek looks like a character from Prince Valiant. (laughs) That makes Spock unhappy. (laughs) (laughs) And another person says, I have but one thing to say. Resultantly? <laughs> yeah. That's like sexishly. Sexishly, like it, is, it is quite like that. So that is just so funny. How I love Scans Daily, and I'm so glad that somebody posted this because it is cracktastic. It really is. It is <laughs> the cracky world. The cracky world. Oh, I uh, love all that. Okay. So over to you. Tell, tell me about Christopher Plummer. Oh, okay. Okay, so here is my question. Your question? Mm-hmm. Well, the topic is in the form of a question. I have to find it, though. Okay. I'll take that for is, 500, Alex. Yes. Okay. Is Christopher Plummer insane <laughs> or just mildly, egotistically delusional? It could be a combination. Okay. Here's what Christopher Plummer has to say about the night William Shatner went on for him in Henry V <gasps> when they were both young men appearing oh, at Stratford. Who was his understudy? I'd love to hear this story. Okay. This is amazing. Great. Christopher Plummer will never forget the one-night stand he picked up in a bar before he was to perform Henry V in 1956. He picked up William Shatner in a bar? No, he picked up a one-night stand because it helped make William Shatner a star. In his upcoming autobiography, In Spite of Myself, the veteran actor writes, I woke up alone the next morning, pain all around my groin and lower abdomen. I started to whimper like a whipped dog. So this is what syphilis is like, I thought. I suppose I deserve it, but Christ, how the hell was I to know? It turned out his sex romp dislodged a kidney stone. Oh, my God. That doctors had to remove via a horrifying procedure with a surgical wire. Ew. Bill had kidney stones. Yeah. Luckily, he had them in 2005 (laughs) when medicine (laughs) had advanced a little. Just, Just as bad. Now we're into the quote. It began to sink in dot 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 Shatner 
my understudy, <laughs> would have to go on. <laughs> dot, just dot, like dot. all about Eve. <laughs> it instantly brought back the pain. I screamed for a nurse who jabbed me with more morphine, end quote. Shatner didn't let his big opportunity get away, quote, I recall then that the SOB was going to be, or I knew then that the SOB was going to be a star, recalls Plummer. Okay. If achieving stardom, if all you had to do was go on for Christopher Plummer, mm-hmm. the man would be so crippled by understudies pushing him downstairs, <laughs> tying him up in closets, putting Drano in his ice water. Or taking him out for a long drive on a snowy road and then running out of gas. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's like, um, okay. So he had, I think he had deep-seated Shatner fear. I think he did. Well, you know, he probably was intimidated by the fact that Bill was fucking more women than he was. For and one, and for one not thing. getting kidney and stones not from kidney them. Stones, that's true. <laughs> you know, and, and as we've discussed previously, Bill was probably fucking the right women, like the director's girlfriend and the producer's, you know, ex-wife and stuff like that. Actually, he, Christopher Plummer probably was too. But always, like, two steps behind. Yes, exactly. Yes. Bill was there first. Because Bill doesn't like to lose. He doesn't like to lose. And he, uh, just like Kurt, you know, he came in, he assessed the situation, Mm -hmm. and he saw where he would have to make his move. Yep. And he didn't hesitate. No. Never. 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 (laughs) I wonder how Bill remembers that. (laughs) I'd love to know how Bill remembers that. Well, it's probably in his book. I mean, he did talk about it in the the audio part, Uh the magnetic audio tape. (laughs) Um, yeah, I still have to get around to reading the book. Ugh, life is so full. That's true. So. That's a great story. Isn't it? That's really good. Okay. <laughs> so now, and now, uh, Star Trek The Experience. Uh, yes. Going bye-bye. Star Trek The Experience is closing tomorrow. Which is? September 1st, September Labor 1st. Day. Yeah. Um, this has been in the news very, very small, smallly, mm. like mostly reported on Star Trek sites. But yesterday... The San Jose Murky News actually had an article on it, which I have now uh, dragged up. It's because they have good technology coverage. That's why. That's why. I wish they could tell me why the scroll isn't working (laughs) on my computer. Well, I'm only going to be able to read the first few paragraphs. Okay. Okay, Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Renewing their wedding vows on the bridge of the Starship Enterprise, Karen and Eric Klein heard from a Federation captain that the energy between them created their love. Like the Kleins, thousands of fans of Star Trek movie and television franchise are converging on Las Vegas to send off the 10-year attraction, Star Trek The Experience, which closes Monday with a decommissioning ceremony. They're not just closing it up. They're doing a big deal. That's great. Um, He had his own shtick, and it was very beautiful, and it actually made the moment even that much better, said Eric Klein, 39, still holding his wife's hand outside the gift shop. It wasn't simply being on the bridge. It really felt very emotional. The Las Vegas attraction has drawn more than 30 million visitors since Seriously? it Seriously? Yep. 30 million? 3 million. Oh. <laughs> since That's still I exaggerate. Alive. That's okay. 3 million is still alive. <laughs> since it opened in 1998, as many as 2,000 an hour, wow. a spokesman said. Wow. It offers a place to inhabit all six versions of a television franchise that spanned almost four decades and spawned 10 movies. Trekkies have long attended annual conventions, but many feel a special affinity with the experience. We've got people flying in from all over the world, said Chad mm-hmm. Bout, the attraction spokesman. 
Veterans get to, or visitors, God, <laughs> get to quiz employees dressed as aliens on the mythologies of their worlds. They also can pay forty nine ninety nine to enjoy two virtual rides and check out the Museum of the Future. We did that. Which includes costumes. Phasers and Spock's coffin. Yeah, yeah, we which saw we that. mourned at, uh-huh. as seen in Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Now, I wish the damn scroll would work. Why isn't your scroll working? I don't know. If you drag it, will it work? Okay, let's try that. Oh, no. your computer's frozen. Okay, so I'm going to have to tell you the rest from memory. Okay. <laughs> But they came up with a Star Trekky reason why the experience is closing, really? which I think is cool. Remember the whole thing at the beginning is this temporal yeah, rift yeah, yeah. that uh-huh. you go through to get there? The rift has become unstable, and so they have to close. Wow, that's cool. Now, they have had offers, according to the rest of this article, which I can't read to you, from, I think they said, at least 10 different organizations or individuals to either purchase all or part of it, put it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. The Hilton is still hoping to have um, Creation Con there next year. Um, The rumors are, this is so disgusting, (laughs) the rumors are that they want to use the space to build a big, huge theater for Michael Jackson. Oh, my God. But wait, he doesn't even live in the United States anymore. Doesn't he live in Dubai or something? Yeah, (laughs) who's going to get someplace where you can rent little boys? Who's going to go? I mean... that's crazy. And the thing is, Star Trek, you know, with the new movie coming out, I think it's quite likely to go, to go into a huge revival. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm not sure this is a, a really good business move on the part of the Hilton. But I am so glad we did it. Oh, me we too. had such a great time. It was fabulous. I'm glad that we spent the extra money to do all of the stuff. Right. To see the backstage stuff and all that. That was just great. There is going to be a VIP thing at the decommissioning, mm. which you can pay a shitload of money to go to, which includes um, like a, a private party at Quark's Bar. Oh, uh-huh. And it doesn't say who the VIPs are who are going to be there. But anyway. So there's a shitload of stuff going on tomorrow for the final wow. um, experience. Well, Labor Day, maybe everybody should have a little moment of silence for Star Trek The Experience, you know, just to, to say it. And maybe, who knows, you know, they'll open it up somewhere else at some point in time. I agree. Oh, God. <laughs> Are we going to talk about that now? Sure, why not? Okay. Okay. So, moving on. Moving we got right a, a very thoughtful response from Older Than TOS. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's great. Um who was in Vegas and looked for us, which I think is great. We weren't there. But um, Older Than TOS says, Hey, girls, I wanted to respond to your discussion of the tragic shooting story Klingon reference. Mm -hmm. I understand your discomfort with this sort of thing and that it feels wrong. Consider that you are both people who write and work with words and are quite comfortable with expressing yourselves. Most people are not. Hence the popularity of Bartlett's Mm -hmm. (laughs) and its ilk. I love the word ilk. Moreover, I doubt either of you would shy away from using a Shakespearean quotation or comparing someone to Caesar or Ozymandias. I think it comes down to a low, high culture divide. We're high culture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I think for many people, Star Trek may be entering into high culture, Hmm. becoming part of a universal mythology. Wow, I sure can drivel on. Anyway, I guess I come down on the side of the Klingon reference being tasteless, 
but not inappropriate. Thanks, OTT. Then it says, P.S. Were you at the creation convention in Vegas? I know it was Shatnerless, but I was still hoping to see <laughs> a butt booth. Oh. OTT, we were not there because it was Shatnerless and because it's Las Vegas in August. Yeah. But thank you for looking for definitely, us. Definitely, definitely. Um, I really appreciate your, your comment. And I'm a little uncomfortable with being uncomfortable with that, <laughs> given how much I love mm-hmm. Trek. But... um. To me, it kind of comes down to, I I thought about it more after I read this, which is great. I love to get thought-provoking things from our listener. And it kind of comes down to consider the audience, Mm. who you're saying this to. Mm -hmm. Now, as a non-religious person, especially a non-Christian religious person, when people quote the Bible to me, uh, he's in a better place. Mm -hmm. When I don't believe in that better place, I'm always kind of like, do you know who you're talking to? Why are you saying this to me? That is your mm-hmm. your comfort. That is mm-hmm. nothing to me. So to to say I grieve with the, or quote any of the, the, the great Star Trek mm-hmm. things, and I don't think I agree with the as wonderful. Risk is our business. Risk is our <laughs> business is a fun one. But to people who are, are genuinely having an emotionally bad time, mm-hmm. who may find that absolutely, ugh, it, it, it says more about you than it does... I think mm-hmm. about your understanding of them. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I think so. I I think I'm thinking about it now because I, you just read this to me and I hadn't been thinking about it since we talked about it on the last show. And and I I totally see the point there. Mm-hmm. And I guess my personal opinion. So now I'm stepping back from this as you know making an observation. I agree that it was kind of tasteless in that mm-hmm. context. But personally. Um, I would rather have someone awkwardly and clumsily express what they are really thinking in their own words. And I was just thinking there there are certain parallels, you know, when you're when you're like 16 and 17 and you're all angsty and you find that one song by that one pop star that totally expresses what you're feeling. And then you feel compelled to like write out the lyrics over and over again in your notebook or post them on your blog or whatever. You found my notebook, didn't you? (laughs) Everybody does this, right? Right. But you and me, of course. Everybody, <laughs> everybody in this room. Everybody. Everybody does this. You know, you you think that that um, somebody out there in the world really understands. Some pop star really understands how you feel, and I I understand why that's important because you you find the words. Someone else has created the words to express how you feel. But for me personally, it's much more important for you to do that yourself. Like, don't take somebody else's words mm-hmm. to express the way you're feeling. You should do it yourself as, as hard as it is and as clumsy as you might feel doing it. It is so much more meaningful if they're your words and mm-hmm. not somebody else's words. And frankly, I wouldn't quote Shakespeare at somebody if they had just lost someone who was close to them. Right. I, in I, a I, deeply personal situation. I mean, you know, to, to quote Shakespeare or, or anything in sort of everyday life as a reference point or anything, totally cool. But yeah. I, I'm talking about a, a, exactly. a very specific situation yeah i would i wouldn't quote anything or anybody or anywhere i mean if i was religious Mm -hmm. i I don't think i'd quote the bible because they're not my words and they don't really Mm -hmm. say what i'm trying to say so i I agree about the culture divide though yes and that's true i do find it really interesting and this is something i'm going to be mulling over some more about is star trek entering high culture Mm. i mean i know it is so much a part of pop culture now that it is a very universal reference. In fact, I know ye- ages ago on one of our earlier shows, we talked about the quotability of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. 
um, because I remember saying to you that, I don't know, 20 years ago, somebody told me that the most recognizable yeah. reference was The Wizard of Oz, yeah. at, at least among Americans. And I'm wondering now if, if that's been displaced by Star Trek. But I don't know that it's entered high culture. Hmm. I don't know. I, I guess it depends who you talk to. And, and the thing is... When people quote pop culture things, like, you know, one of the things people say every now and then when you're saying goodbye is, I'll miss you most of all, Scarecrow, yeah. it's to lighten up the moment. Yeah. And so, I don't know, maybe I totally misread it. Maybe this person who wrote the newspaper thing was trying to lighten up the moment, but I don't think so. And it would be tasteless. That it yes. would be very tasteless. Yes. Oh, that yeah. would be bad. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder about that. I mean, maybe it just needs to be... More time. So, as an example, let's talk about for a second all about Eve, which we were just okay. playing around with. I think that when that movie was released, it was a good movie, it had great performances. But over time, I think that parts of All About Eve have actually entered high culture because of the fact that it was a great movie written by um, a great screenwriter with Betty Davis and all the other people who were in it. And it's actually morphed from being a truly you know, a movie of the people because it was just a movie, right? Mm -hmm. It was a black and white movie that came out like everything else and it wasn't an epic. It wasn't right. a David Lean movie of the time, <laughs> right? Yes. It wasn't Lawrence of Arabia. But now, because it's been around for so long and it's so quotable and there's so much in it that people see and recognize, I actually think a movie like that has morphed into what Americans, anyway, would consider more of high culture. Really? You see, now that sort of opens up the question of what is high culture, yeah. because to me it's very much a cultural reference. Mm -hmm. But I also wonder, once you start getting away from the movie geeks, the theater people, those sort of folks that I hang out with a lot, how recognizable are many of those lines? It's kind of like, um, I remember in high school or, or maybe college in one of the literature classes reading Don Quixote. Mm -hmm. It is amazing how many of our sort of aphorisms mm. come yeah. from that. But nobody knows they're from Don Quixote. And it's kind of like getting back to something we discussed a couple months ago. Um, get it, got it good. Mm. People say that and they do not know it comes from the court jester. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it, But it, does that make it high culture or just... Know. Again, mass culture. I think it depends on who you talk to. You know, there are so many things that you could say, that, references that come from Shakespeare that people don't know that they come from Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. And you know, do you want to be a snob and say, okay, anything written after you know 1700 is pop culture? You know, think, like, yeah. There are some people who think that basically that high culture was like Greek, Roman. Renaissance, that's it. Mm -hmm. And anything after that is crap because it's not really high culture. Speaking of high culture versus low culture versus mass culture, I think this is interesting. It has nothing to do with Star Trek, but it <laughs> kind of fits into what we're talking about. There's currently in San Francisco running two different productions of the Jacobean play, Tis Pity, She's a Whore. Mm -hmm. And in the theater magazine that I get, it was very interesting. They did an interview with both the producers. I'm talking about their different takes on the play and everything. So it was really interesting mm -hmm. stuff to me because they'd obviously done their, their homework about the period and, and knew why they wanted to do this particular play. But it was pointed out that BART, our, our rapid transit system, the trains, refused to take the ads. Really? Because it had the word whore in it? Yes. Ah. And the producer pointed out, Carrie Perloff, the producer at ACT, that if the title of the play had been Tis Pity She's a Ho... They would have taken it. Oh. And that's absolutely true. Wow. That's true. That is true. Hmm. 
So there, there's definitely yeah. a, a clash there. Well, I, I don't think there is anybody who can accurately say what that there is such a thing as high or low culture. I mean, I think most people would accept pop culture as things that come from television, music, music, movies, sometimes books, sometimes books, infrequently. But I don't think that that's a stable category, and stuff mm -hmm. can drop in and out of it all the time, and can right. go to other places as well, depending on you yeah. know, what the status Cause like, is. A couple years ago, you know, Janet Jackson's titty was pop culture. Yeah. Now it's who cares. Yeah, <laughs> and and I think that, that there are things that get such a level of um, reverence. I was going to say respectability, but it's not it at all. But it's more like reverence. Mm -hmm. um, and they have begotten so many things that came after them that they actually start to climb a ladder yeah. towards a different status of culture. You know, I, I know um, back in my early fanfic days, there there used to be a lot of speculation about... Star Trek entering sort of the legend category. Mm. It certainly is a huge part of our modern mythology, mm -hmm. and I'm a great respecter of mythology. Mm -hmm. I think it has a lot to say to us and about us. Um, a hundred years from now, 150 years from now, would people still watch the episodes, argue about the sources, argue about the meanings, maybe um, dig into the older fanfic mm -hmm. to see what it was regarded as in its in its own period and I still don't know the answer um, sometimes I'm going well that's us trying to hope that what we're <laughs> spending so damn much time on actually has some meaning but it certainly has meaning to us mm -hmm. yeah I, I think that um, Star Trek is just fundamentally a different kind of thing than say Star Wars which mm -hmm. a lot of people compare it to and sometimes lump them together as you know science fiction crap because um, they do and and I, it, it seems to me that they're just the way that they're perceived by society is very, very different. Mm -hmm. And a good example of that for me right now is the fact that you can buy, um, which I have, on the PlayStation, you can buy Star Wars Lego. You can buy a game that's called Star Wars Lego, and it's basically all the Star Wars characters as little Lego guys that run around, and you can blow them up and do stuff like that. Whee! Because at its core, a lot of Star Wars really is like a cartoon, you know, mm -hmm. the characters are black and literally black and white, you know, yeah. Darth Vader is black and Luke Skywalker is all in white, and they're, they're, there's not a lot of depth to them, you know, they're, they're, I think there was some depth, say, in the first Star Wars movie, but after that, it's just like, whoosh, they went away and they didn't bother to do it, but Star Trek is much more about the depth of the characters, and I don't think that it's as, as cartoony as Star Wars is, it's not so, um, facile. It's and you know why I think that is? Because of I Bill. Mean, yeah, <laughs> obviously. But, you know, they had a writer's guide, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, a Star Wars was written more or less by one person, mm -hmm. and he had this vision, and, and that's what it is. The Star Trek vision evolved. I think Roddenberry had a vision, the original writers had a vision, but I think for some of the writers of that show, it was this wide-open playground, because it was sci-fi, mm -hmm. so they weren't being hard-ridden on, no, you cannot do an episode about the Vietnam War. No, you mm -hmm. cannot do an episode about race relations. But they were able to because it was sci-fi. Mm -hmm. And so it grew into those things that gave it more meaning, more value than the average weekly TV show mm -hmm. and the average science fiction thing that was out there, which was still kind of regarded as a kid's thing, except mm -hmm. for Twilight Zone and a few things. And, and I think that's how mm -hmm. its myth grew, because it was able to 
explore some serious stuff and that automatically rounded out those characters further than mm -hmm. being the you know tv hero yeah um sidekick yeah, you know, yeah. fun-loving sidekick or whatever I, spock I, is i think that's true and i also think that um because they set it up as a system that had rules in place, mm -hmm. but rules that were flexible so that the yes. writers could do what they wanted to and tell the stories that they wanted to, it provided a much better place to to develop things that happened. Whereas Star Wars, by its nature, was a story that started with the change. Mm -hmm. Right, the very first Star Wars movie was about the rebels, mm -hmm. you know, turning things around against the evil empire. So. If you look at the Star Wars universe, you know, how, how can it be iconic when it's not a real place where there's stability? Because there is no stability. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is about the instability of the Empire, you know, like how it came to be evil. And then you know that it's not going to be evil forever because the rebels are the good guys and they're going to win. Mm -hmm. So do you want to tell stories about when the, the Empire was all evil and the good guys were just kind of squirreling around doing their thing or do you want to tell stories about after the empire was overthrown and the good guys were in charge because nobody knows what that is well i also think there's an automatic disconnect by it's set in a galaxy far far away long long ago mm. so that's not necessarily our history yeah that's some other history whereas star trek definitely set itself in our future definitely yeah and although some of the things they've said obviously have come true much much <laughs> earlier like cell phones and others didn't come true at all like the eugenics war like the <laughs> eugenics war which is exactly what i was thinking but um still we can look at it and see ourselves yeah and we can see our own problems uh -huh. reflected there yeah i i think that's true I and that made it seem a more real world and a more complete i'm, I'm not even gonna say universe society there was a living society there. Yeah. It had conflicts. It had ambassadors and mm -hmm. diplomats and um, teachers and, you know, not just the people we encountered as the, the heroes the and heroes. the villains. I totally agree with that. So I, I don't know. I feel like... We've really gotten off track of OTT's no, 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 no. comments. I don't think so. I think this is all really relevant. I, like you, I wonder what... Star Trek is going to become in the future. And there's a certain part of me that thinks it's going to be just sort of this subtext to, to a culture, to world culture, that there are things about Star Trek that we wish could be true, mm -hmm. that we wish that things are like this, but it gives us something to aspire to. Kind of like, like the King Arthur myth yeah, is what I always yeah, think Yeah, there's the future that we could have if only we could try hard enough and be good enough and mm -hmm. make it happen. And we'll always have that because it goes on into the future. So 100 years from now, we'll still be wanting that Star Trek future because in 100 years, we're not going to have that exactly. We'll have something mm -hmm. else. That might be really good, but we won't have that. Yeah. You know, we'll always want that because that was We'll just always so want good. the guy who goes down on you on the first date. <laughs> And Definitely. who apparently has scored some excellent pot. Excellent pot, because you got high after that first toke. <laughs> she said that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stoned. <laughs> well, I, I think it's it's an ongoing discussion, and we're only going to find out all this stuff just as time goes by. I mean, who would have known 40 years ago that Star Trek would have become what it is, mm -hmm. that it's such an integral part of, of everyday life, and that you can say the name Kirk without any other reference that Everybody knows what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, like that, that, that thing that, in the that New York Times book review. That was amazing. That's all you have to say. And yep. everybody knows what you mean. And there's a whole galaxy of stuff just communicated in the name alone. Yep. Powerful stuff. Yep.
Do you think Bill realizes all that? I think he is coming to understand more of it. Um, Of course, there's a part of him. And there's a part of me that says, it's just a TV show. Of course it is, yeah. But I think, especially through the writing of the book, Get a Life, which if you haven't read, listeners, you should. Oh, it's really good. It is really good. And it is also very much Bill's journey into the world of fandom and gaining some understanding and respect of why the people do this and why mm-hmm. it means so much to them. So I think, yes, he does understand it much more than he did. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of ironic, though, that I think the people who are in it, like Bill and Leonard and stuff like that, can never have that experience that we have. That's true. That they, is they very true. They can never... The, the meaning we bring to it, obviously, is very much within ourselves. And that particular sense of community that we get from it and 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 longing and wanting to to know more about this this mm-hmm. universe and society and write about it and experience it and you know share it is something they are outside of mm-hmm. i think that's kind of like moses leading the people to the promised land <laughs> but he couldn't go but he couldn't go he could only see he it. couldn't go in it, i'm sure people have asked him this but it would be great to ask bill that question just to say do you understand that you are going to live forever mm-hmm. because of what you did? And Went down on a woman on a first date. <laughs> it's a pretty cool thing that Bill gets to live forever because he was Captain Kirk once upon a time in a yeah, friggin' TV show. <laughs> I know. I think from everything he said, though, obviously um, it's more important to him now, certainly at this point, to... Um, to be loved and respected by his family, his his children, his grandchildren, mm-hmm. and everything like that. But the part of him, you know, that ego part, that actor part, I would hope he has some understanding of that and is taking pleasure in it. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. And and to that point, let me read something from a very long interview with Bill, which I'll post the link to. Okay. Um, where you had sent it to me with the... the uh, title bill reflects on young bill oh, and yes. that was the best part of it it's, <laughs> it's, it's a really good interview you know he talks about the book he's obviously shilling for the book and all this other stuff and you know he's had such an adventurous life and um you know whether he ever felt destined to be famous and he says i never had any expectation but the part at the end is the best part the article says Certainly, having been packed with so much, Shatner's 77 years must seem like a rush to him. Perhaps this is another factor in his eternalness, as if the aging process cannot keep up with all the fun he's having. However, when he watches himself on old Star Treks, he says the man on screen is unrecognizable to him. This is, quote, He's a complete stranger, he says. Not only is he physically foreign, emotionally, I don't know where I was at that time. There's also a certain amount of revulsion involved. How could I have looked that young? What happened? I should have taken more vitamins. <laughs> it's totally science fictional. Yeah. Well, I like that. I thought that was very interesting that he really does see that as some, uh, somebody else. Yeah. At this point. So he's life. probably thinking that somebody else will live forever. But yeah, it's not really him. Not really him. And, and I know what he means about the revulsion thing, having recently looked at some <laughs> some early pictures of myself where I just look at him and go, oh, look how tan I was, look how pretty I was, I was a pretty girl, mama, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, it's kind of different. Yeah. So it, it's true. I mean, in a way it is. It's not him. And as he said in, in, you know, the song, he's just an actor. Yeah. He's not really the captain of the Enterprise. But he is real. But he is real. And he did really, really, really go down on a woman on a first date. <laughs> And I think that's where we should close this show with the most important point. The most important point. But I have one more thing to say before we close this show. 
Um, we talked about Shatfest last time. Yes! And I realized, I'm not going to be here. <gasps> You're not either? I'm not. That's the day I'm flying back from a trip that I'm making to the East Coast, so I won't be here either. God! So, you guys, whoever is going... You gotta let us know, and you've you, got to report. Like you that. have to. You, someone has to report on this for us, because obviously we'll be in touch with Will. We'll tell him that we're not yeah. coming because of various things. But somebody has to go and report on it for us. I am so sad um, because they are showing white. Oh, Comanche Blanco! Do you know I was? <laughs> I was. <laughs> look, this just cracked me up. I was. I was looking on the torrents today um, for something else, and I had typed in um, Shatner looking for something else and it actually came up as Comanche Blanco <laughs> and what's his name Guillermo Shatner no it just said Comanche Blanco and I oh. laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed yeah okay well you know we know a couple people here in the yeah. area so the pressure is on for you but Definitely. certainly for anybody else who it's September 18th 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 I will be Fest at the Cerrito Theater in yes. El Cerrito Will the Thrill Comanche Blanco. Blanco. Oh, man. And probably some other stuff. He's always got other oh, stuff. Oh, he's always got other stuff. Yeah. And he usually has us on, on Shatner night. But yeah. <gasps> so anyway, so you guys, you got to come through for us on this. That's right. Because we need it. That's right. So we'll leave you with that and with, you know, going down on a woman. <laughs> on the first date. If you're going out on a first date and it gets that far. Or actually, it wasn't really like their first date, but was their first sexual encounter. Yeah. Do you know what kind of points you're going to score, fellas? Seriously. Put, put your mouth where your money is. <laughs>